the housing market has been pretty hot over the past couple of years. Um, what would be your advice for uh, people in developing communities with existing trees or, or are planning on planting trees? Well, one of the biggest things that I would look for is trying to maintain the existing trees' overall health. Because, um, like, you know, it could be five to seven years after construction to where we'll see, you know, tree mortality from construction activities. And people don't realize that until they call us when the tree's already mostly dead or declining. So the sooner they call us to get on a fertilizer program or just to have us out and evaluate the property, um, we'll be better off in the long run and we can maintain the trees as much easier than to try and save them when they're already sick. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I think the best approach is to be proactive with it rather than reactive. Um, <clears throat> I think a lot of people don't realize that uh, uh, these trees have a different lifespan than we do. So whenever it comes to construction or stress factors, it could be years before they see you know, the effects of, of that specific stress factor. And by that time, once we start seeing the uh, the symptoms, it's usually too late, especially on certain trees that we have here uh, in the Metroplex. Yeah, there's, you know, <clears throat> the typical call on uh, my post oak doesn't look so good. And the first thing that we do is we ask, well, how new is the property or how new is the driveway or the swimming pool? And it's almost always five to seven years with the struggling tree. Um, and then it, by then it's too late. Whereas if they would have called us even before construction... We could have helped with a plan to stay away from the tree or started treatments even before any stress on it. And then we have better luck mm -hmm. keeping them healthy. Yeah, yeah. Keeping them healthy is always better than trying to save them later. Yep. It's, <clears throat> I think you'd probably agree that, you know, whenever we're trying to save them, typically it's not very successful. Yeah. It takes a lot of resources with, you know, um, we, we can never guarantee results because we can't control it and the tree can't tell us exactly what's wrong. But when we're trying to save them after the fact, you know, we use the, the kitchen sink approach where we throw a lot of resources at it. Whereas if we start on the front end, we do lim you know, we don't need quite as many resources because the tree's not already stressed. Yeah. So at that point, it's, it's a lot easier. It's a lot cheaper. Um, and, and we feel a lot more comfortable saying that, that we can, you know, hopefully be successful with that tree. Right. Much higher chances of success mm -hmm. at keeping it happy and healthy than trying to stop the decline and turn it back yeah. the other way or, or minimizing the stress on it right. yeah the best thing would be pre-construction to where we can tell them how to stay away from it properly um hopefully to accomplish the construction goals but at least we can answer the tree questions prior to the disturbance mm -hmm. well what would be a step-by-step -step plan you would put into place to uh, uh help ensure you know trying to minimize the amount of stress on an existing tree in a developing neighborhood? Well, you know, the first thing would be to, to judge the overall tree size versus the lot size and the project size. Because um, you know that, you know, a huge tree on a little lot, if they're going to try and put a big house under that, it's really hard to minimize the impacts to accomplish the construction goal because nobody's going to want to hear, well, you can't build here. Mm -hmm. That's just not going to work. Um, so they're going to do some disturbance or stress to that tree. But getting us involved early, we could help minimize or maybe shift the plan one way or the other. Like, for example, I had one customer that called me out. Um, they are putting in a pool in a very rectangle backyard. 
and they had a post oak outside the fence that wasn't theirs, but they were getting to enjoy it for free. It was probably a 24-inch post oak, but they were digging this pool right under this particular tree. And I called the customer, and I said, well, you know, I, I really don't think we should put the pool there. I said, in your particular case, if you just could flip that pool 180 degrees and go the other way, you would only impact 15, 25% of the root zone of this nice tree versus 50 to 70%. And when I went back the next time, sure enough, they were able to get a hold of the designer and flip that pool 180 the other way and didn't have to change anything about the project. That was like the coolest story that I've had. Um, most of the time it's, well, we can't do anything about it. <laughs> Yeah, especially for a post oak. I mean, you know, a little bit of a difference can make a huge difference when it comes to to where you're putting yeah. or where the construction is going. And, uh, uh, you know, that's probably the, the tree that, that we'll hear the most about when it comes to construction and, uh, uh, you know, trying to preserve trees is post oak because it's one of the most sensitive. It's definitely one of the most sensitive. You know, I joke that you can whisper root disturbance <laughs> and the thing will go into construction yep. stress. Yep. Yep. Kick it in its shin and then, you know, it just dies. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I agree being proactive, having us out there before anything happens, whether it's a sidewalk. Uh, I mean, I don't care if you're doing a little bit of digging or putting in sprinklers, right? If we're there before the fact, right. then we can do exactly what you just didn't say. Look, you want this tree to have the best chance possible. Cause even then, you know, moving the, Moving the pool isn't going to uh, alleviate all the stress, but it's going to mitigate a lot of it, you know. Right. And so um, it, just having us out there beforehand is the best way to go about uh, trying to be as successful as we can. My approach with that pool was instead of cutting every root on half of the tree, we were able to cut just a little wedge out of the root zone. So like I said, it went from a, a 50 to 60% impact to 20, 10 to 15% impact. So I feel really good about, and then we were able to do some treatments also, even though it wasn't their tree, they had access to it and it was in, um, you know, like a native area. So we, we did some growth regulator and some feeding on it prior, which would be another step that, that, that you could take, you know, if you were on a property beforehand, you could start treating proactively, like you mentioned earlier, where, you know, we may just have to do some simple soil applications and maybe some air spade work. Uh, as opposed to having to go in there and use every tool in our toolbox, right. which you know ends up being a lot more costly and a lot more difficult and, and a lot less likely to work. Yeah. So a lot of those things that end up killing, especially the native trees, they're they're more opportunistic pest and problems. Well, then the opportunity comes up from the construction stress. So we can use the simple tools, you know, just uh, fertilization or just physical barriers to keep people and things away and then that doesn't give the opportunity for the bad things to come in and everybody's happier you know we're happier because we're not fighting this tree the customer's happier because the tree has a better chance of success without you know having to put a ton of inputs into it after Mm -hmm. the fact yeah no we definitely want to be successful with what we're whenever we go out there and look at the trees you know um but so, yeah, I mean, the main cause that I, I, I found, you know, we have a primary stress factor like the construction damage. Mm-hmm. And then we get all these, you know, opportunistic or secondary invaders that come in after the fact. And they're not what killed the tree. You'll hear a lot of, you know, people who talk to somebody, you know, who, who wasn't a certified arborist or, or maybe wasn't as knowledgeable in plant health care say, oh, well, wood borers killed my tree. And, uh, you know, I have to tell them, well, not necessarily, you know. 
um, something caused your tree to, to go into decline. And, uh, uh, and then the wood borers saw an opportunity to, to right. feed on the tree, you know? And uh, so it wasn't really the wood borers, they're more of a symptom. That's, I refer to the, the wood borers and the, some of the, um, the fungal pathogens as kind of the final nail in the coffin that, yes, that's technically what killed the tree, but that's not the whole story. You know, that was just the final, yeah. final <clears throat> stressor that finished it off. Yep, 100%. And then uh, <clears throat> and the sooner we can keep it from going down that road, the healthier it is and, and the less inputs. Because when we're talking about opportunistic, we have to treat for insects, fungal, you know, there's a lot of other opportunities. Whereas if the tree stays healthy, then we just keep it healthy and there's way less inputs required. Yeah. Now, I think that one of the, the next steps that you could, you know, talk about is just proper cultural practices. You know, I mean, if there was irrigation there before or there wasn't irrigation there before and you're planning on putting, you know, in irrigation, you know, that's a super huge stress factor on a tree that's never been consistently watered like that, right. you know, in its lifespan, it could be a hundred years old and it never got, it never had sprinklers and mm -hmm. now it does. So, and then we uh, over love it as yeah. I tell my customers, <laughs> you know, we think, well, it's so hot here. Let's, let's water. And yeah. they water too frequently, not realizing that that tree's been there for a hundred years and only getting water when it rains and it looks just fine. And then we over love it because we want that lush green grass. So you would agree that overwatering is probably one of the biggest stress factors along with construction damage after communities there. And, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Especially on a, when you're talking about a native tree stand that is getting altered for a development, whether it be a multifamily or, you know, a large residential, um, that irrigation frequency and overdoing it is definitely one of the contributing factors, one of the largest. And it's also one of the hardest for us to fix because we only see it as a snapshot on that day we're there. We can't answer, well, what does it look like three days from now? Because um, when we're talking about the saturated soil, is it one day, two day, five days? We don't know because we only see it that day. Um, so it takes some repeat visits and some history building on each property, which is just really hard to do. Mm -hmm. So following some simple guidelines, you know, deep but infrequent watering um, is definitely the mindset that, that we always try and push without getting into the specifics of what that means, because each property is different and two neighbors could even be different on, mm -hmm. you know, what is deep but infrequent. Because if it's saturated soil, it's saturated soil. Mm -hmm. I don't care if it's three days or five days later, especially now after the rains. Mm -hmm. Do you have any final thoughts or uh, how can customers get in contact with you or Trina to So, you know, when thinking about construction, um, the final thought would be, get us get um, your certified arborist involved as soon as possible because um, the sooner we're on site the more of a plan we can get and we can keep the trees healthier rather than try and fix them later um, and for any other information or to reach out to one of our certified arborists go to treenewell.com.